Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights podcast. Since D23 last summer, there have been many rumors about if and what kind of expansion plans are in the works for Magic Kingdom. At that time, Walt Disney World Imagineering Portfolio head Chris Beatty and Walt Disney Animation head Jennifer Lee joined Josh Diomaro, head of All Parks, on some blue sky dreaming of what might happen in the Magic Kingdom. Since then, a big change came with a new CEO to Disney. With that came even more rumors. This last week or so, two YouTube bloggers have given their insights to these rumors. This includes Jack of DSNY um, and Braden Holness of Mickey Views. These have included adding um, to the Tiana New Orleans theme, building out Coco, Encanto, and even the Villain's Lair. We look at all of these and how they might impact the entire rivers of America to include Frontierland and Liberty Square. And we look at even an additional rumor or two or even a reality or two. So join us as we dissect Magic Kingdom expansion plans. This podcast, as well as others, are brought to you by Performance Journeys, which celebrates its 20th year as a training and development group, bringing best in business ideas through keynotes, workshops, seminars, and other kinds of programs to organizations in the public, private, nonprofit sectors. If you're seeking to improve your customer delivery, you want to re-engage the morale of your workforce, or improve the leadership of your organization, we offer not only great solutions tried and tested from our time working intimately to raise excellence in organizations big and small. At Performance Journeys, it says much about the journey as it is about the performance. You may also want to check out DisneyInsights.com. Um, that is the name, new name. Uh, used to be DisneyAtPlay.com and DisneyAtWork.com. We're now all merged under DisneyInsights.com. And uh, you can check us out there at DisneyInsights.com. Please subscribe as well. Subscribe to your own podcast as well as to our YouTube channel, which is um, Disney Insights as well. So check those all out and be sure to, um, to join us on these and we'll let you know as new podcasts and new um, posts come out. Well, let's um, let's uh, divide up our time here. I think the big and uh, the big insight, for lack of a better term, um, to these rumors has been well, how could this affect Frontierland? So maybe that's where we needed to start with first. Now, Frontierland at the Magic Kingdom is is kind of a funky thing because, well, it you don't it's not off of the um, main uh, Plaza Central of Magic Kingdom. It is kind of an ongoing piece to what is Liberty Square. And so um, so the idea is, is how could this be modified or how could this be impacted if, as was blue-skied, if we could pass over by the spires of 
um, by the spires of Big Thunder Mountain, what could it be? Well, then whatever could be out there might impact what's here. And in the middle of all of this, of course, is Tiana's uh, Bayou um, Adventure, which is a big modification, um, big remodeling going to the previous Splash Mountain. As we all know, this last week, Disneyland's uh, was it was announced that Disneyland Splash Mountain is finally closing, I believe at the end of May. Don't quote me on that one. Now over in Disneyland, it's very easy to kind of see how Frontierland coming off the plaza then kind of becomes New Orleans Square, which then becomes um, what was Splash Mountain or what will become Tiana's. It's, it's kind of a nice little segue all along the rivers of America. The conjecture was, could this same thing happen at um, Magic Kingdom? Could, instead of a change, um, could, the, could Frontierland be changed and modified to be more in alignment with, uh, with what is going to be Tiana's? It has always been kind of weird because you have this Hudson River Valley Haunted Mansion at the very far end, and then you kind of get to this clapboard look in Maine um, with the first and the Columbia Harbor House and, um, and the gift shop for the Haunted Mansion. And then you kind of get into a Philadelphia kind of look at the Hall of Presidents. And then by the time you get to the Diamond Horseshoe, you sort of are already getting a um, um, uh, kind of a Kansas City, St. Louis uh, kind of look and feel. And then all of a sudden, really, it has always been since day one, kind of a, a jump. All of a sudden, you're at a log cabin fortress, log hewn um, entrance to Frontierland, which then goes back to a clapboard and then becomes a log cabin uh, type um, experience for the entrance of the Country Bear Jamboree, and then it goes back to a clapboard, Western town kind of look, and then it kind of ends up at Pecos Bill, where we kind of evolve into an Adobe look, which then, if you go around that corner into Adventureland, kind of nicely segments into Caribbean Plaza. So that has been, if we, if we really stop and look at it, it really was not a smooth transition between Liberty Square and Frontierland, but it's something we've always seen. We didn't know anything differently, any, any, um, any, uh, any better than this. So we've always had that. Now, what's kind of brought this is there was um, um, a post. I think it was made by Mickey Views. I have the link. Disney Imagineers a number of weeks ago were seen walking around Pecos Bills. As if to say, oh, maybe they're making changes. Maybe they are going to make changes like they are making to the um, French market at New Orleans. There they are completely redoing that um, restaurant to look like Tiana's, kind of with the showboat um, pipe stacks in the front and a sense that you are going to Tiana's place. Now, in truth, Tiana's place in the film is a much bigger area. It is in New Orleans, but it's kind of in a warehouse district. So, I, I've not. I I'm hoping to be very wrong 
that the French market changeover to Tiana's at Disneyland, I'm hoping it looks great when it's done. But honestly, French market was nearly perfect as is. So I have a hard time imagining anything else for that space, but I'm open to that. Well, out of this kind of rumor that the restaurant closest to Splash Mountain in Disneyland is being changed over Tiana, so could it be that the restaurant closest to um, the Magic Kingdom's former Splash Mountain to become Tiana's, which is Pecos Bills, could that be changed into a Tiana's um, palace? And... Um, and so with that, the conjecture from these, uh, particularly from Braden, is that it's believed that this section of Frontierland could be uh, modified or turned into a New Orleans-style space. And I have to say, and, and mind you, again, remember, Disneyland's New Orleans Square sits on that very same kind of corner. Still, the New Orleans Square... At Disneyland, it, first of all, it's not a square, as it is a series of intricately designed side streets that kind of go in and out. It's a, it has not if you've never been there, it's one of the best places at Disneyland because there's a sense of being lost in the intimacy of it. And you're just kind of lost back there in these streets. There's not space to do that at Disneyland. That's not an option there. Um, and that's okay because um, they don't do as much of that in Tokyo um, their French Quarter is more of a quarter. It's 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 kind of um, um, it 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 kind of it, though it doesn't theirs does not sit on the river. It does. It isn't about um, kind of entering into a whole bunch of streets per se. Although there is one little area that goes into the Blue Bayou restaurant. But anyway, the, where am I going with all this? I'm trying to say that. Um, and by the way, the Liberty Riverboat, the Liberty Bell, the Liberty Square Riverboat, Liberty Bell, complements a French Quarter feel. So this is, so you can imagine coming down or along the river and here's New Orleans and it has kind of all that, that feel to it. It, it really um, sounds pretty good. But here's where I think, what I think is going to happen. While everybody's projecting that there's going to be a space like New Orleans Square in Disneyland, I don't, and, and while I'm not bothered by that idea, I am thinking that the more likely direction that the architecture would go, certainly a more affordable one, is to do something more akin to Riverside at Port Orleans rather than um, the... Um, uh, the French Quarter section of the Port Orleans Resort. And that's the best way to describe it. it you, if you think about Riverside, the Riverside area of Port Orleans, it is much more about clapboard. It is a little bit more of a dock and that kind of segment. And it just gives way perfectly to, with some modifications, um, particularly to the entrance of the Country Bear Jamboree and to where the Frontierland Shooting Gallery, you could make it much more akin to that. And to me, that makes a lot more sense. By the way, I think the Country Bear Jamboree, which um, is has a range of country and Western style music, if you look at their backstories, 
their styles are more attributed to southern states. No one particularly to New Orleans, but Trixie is actually known as the Tampa Temptation. Liverlip's home is strangely Miami. That's how he became known as the Miami Serenader. Go figure. The Ballad of Davy Crockett aligns with Crockett's home in Tennessee. Terrence is known as the Vibrating Wreck from Nashville Tech. The Sunbonnets started singing public school at, in public school 821. You're thinking, how do I know these things? Get the Country Bear Jamboree album uh, vinyl. Um, I've known these things for years. At any rate, um, they started singing in public school 821 in Clint, Texas. The Teddy Bear is known as the Jewel of the Dakotas, but was actually discovered in an ice cream parlor three miles away from Gentry, Arkansas. Yeah, some of these backstories are very random. Big Al was from Pocatello, Idaho, but moved to the swamp before Walt Disney World was built. Um, and according to said narrative, three badgers and alligators and one alligator have expressed joy that he's now singing for people rather than in the swamp. So what I'm trying to say is um, that show could very well stay in the spirit of a New Orleans or Port Orleans um, or Riverside Landing kind of look and feel with the exterior redone, but the interior. Now, Braden actually went on to say that he believes it might be changed to a show that's more similar to Vacation Hoedown. No problem with that because I thought Vacation Hoedown and the Christmas shows were about, were fantastic. And I think the original show was kind of slaughtered into what is its present form so you kind of there isn't much to hang on to with the present show because i don't think it in the spirit of let's take down people that are impatient to to watch the whole show so let's let's cut it by by a fourth in in um in length uh, anyway the long and short is a rebuild of frontierland is not as costly as starting from scratch if you go with that Riverside look. And that's why I think um, this is a much more likely um, alternative. Um, and um, let me also just say, before we move on from Frontierland, that Tom Sawyer's Island has played out for decades across from New Orleans Square and Disneyland. Now, Tom Sawyer really takes his roots from Missouri. Um, and I don't have a problem with Tom Sawyer's Island. I love it. it. It is one of those original kind of things. I do think it needs a plussing. And if you took out the story element and just made it a fun uh, frontier style romping uh, ground, I don't. I don't remember when you get to Tokyo Disney's Tom Sawyer. I, I don't remember anything distinctly Tom Sawyer in that space. Um, and I'm not saying that's the model, but when I look and and some uh, podcasters have thought, well, maybe they'll drain the river and put bridges over, which would be a similar to Adventure Isle. We just talked about Adventure Isle and Adventureland at Disneyland Paris, and it has bridges and, and along its kind of the stream that em embodies the island. Um, but that would be terrible. That would be terrible. I, you know, I was on the Liberty Bell yesterday. At dusk, it was the last uh, river cruise of the day around 7 p.m. 
I'm telling you, one of the gems of the Magic Kingdom is when you get away from all the hustle and bustle and you are on the back half of that river. Uh, it is it is pretty sweet back there. And for people who want to see what Florida looks like, you get a pretty good glimpse with all the, I mean, you know, the deer and the Indians, Native Americans. That's not legitimately Florida, but notwithstanding the land, the green and the landscaping and and the water, it it really is quite quite lovely back there. And I think Tom Sawyer Island is a great place to get away from it all as well. Don't know where all that's going. But the, the fact of the matter is, is people have conjectured a big architectural change for Frontierland um, and in its place, a New Orleans style. I think that's very likely, but I, but I think they would be smarter to go with a Riverside landing as opposed to a French Quarter landing. Now, what about Frontierland? I mean, we still have Big Thunder Mountain. The conjecture in this and this comes from Braden, is the idea that um, there would be a new quote-unquote desert section that would begin after you leave Splash Mountain when you get to Big Thunder Mountain and then would extend beyond it as, as, the imagine, as was said at D23. If you could pass over by the spires of Big Thunder Mountain, what could it be? I, I think that's a really solid idea. And when you look at the image they gave, the image is confusing because what you have in the front, and by the way, you can see these images on DisneyInsights.com. You can, when you study the artist concept only, um, you look at the bottom right hand and you kind of think that's the river, but there's kind of this wisp of smoke to suggest it may be a river it may not be a river what's very clear is the spire of big thunder mountain and the way the images are projected you would have thought that very the very minute you end those those mountain spires you got the 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 um um the the town where coco takes place and you see you see something like a merry-go-round. You it's you think it may be Dia de los Muertos. There's a celebration. You see the flags hanging. Um, you see a fountain. You see this emergence in here, and and um, that's where. So the idea that is kind of projected by Braden is is that you kind of go back behind Big Thunder and you start with with um, Coco. Then you go to Encanto and then ultimately Villain's Lair, which then um, would connect on the other side to the Haunted Mansion and to that area. Um, there are a couple of major logistical problems in all of this. First off, to go around the front of Big Thunder is an impossibility. The mountain really just drops from the cement mountain, which makes up the ride. And you you would have to do a massive change to put people along the front and only to get to the other side of Big Thunder. And there you have this canal that leaves the Rivers of America. The canal that you see on the left, after you pass by Rivers of America, that canal ultimately connects to 
um, the Seven Seas Lagoon. It's how the water flows in that area. It actually originally began with 20,000 leagues on the sea, all clean and pristine and super um, chlorinated because you need to be able to see out the windows of those Nautilus subs. Then it flowed over those little tiny fountains near Cos- Cosmic Rays um, right after you pass by the teacups, the Mad Tea Party, and then along the river uh, in front of the castle on one side and along uh, the river on the other around Central Plaza and then flowing out toward the Jungle Cruise past the Swiss Family Treehouse and then into the Jungle Cruise and then ultimately into the Rivers of America. So there is an actual flow of water going on here. But the problem is, is that Big Thunder Mountain is pushed up against the Rivers of America in one place and this canal in the other place. So the thought is, if you're going to get around it, you're going to have to go around the backside of Big Thunder, which is where the train is. The Walt Disney World Railroad passes right through there. But there's another problem in that area, and that is that though that train, the Walt Disney World train, actually goes above um, what is a, a train track that takes the Big Thunder Mountain train cars back behind stage to a roundhouse. I say a roundhouse, but it's actually a square building. And that roundhouse building back there, anything there, you you can't walk past that area. You would have to spend a lot of money to move the roundhouse or to do some really clever things to get through that area. So Honestly, the only way to do that is to move the traffic clear around the back of the roundhouse. Now, if you recall, when you head toward what was Splash Mountain, you kind of went down, either you went up toward the train or you stepped down into what was an exterior queue for Splash Mountain. If you remember, as you exit Splash Mountain, you came back to a gift shop, followed by restrooms, and then there was a little area right there. I'll try to put a photo of it in there. And that little area was doing meet and greets with um, Woody and Jesse for some time and sometimes Chip and Dale, sometimes Goofy, um, Western style or whatever. Any rate, there's a, um, a drinking fountain in that area. On the back side of those restrooms is actually in a, a cast member break area. And um, from in my view, in order for you to get to the other side of Big Thunder, you have to just kind of mow down those restrooms and move traffic in a scene. And then once you get behind the roundhouse building, you then come and I'll again, I'll have a map on this in uh, Disney Insight. You get to the canal. Now the canal, the thought was, I think, from Jack, well, we'll just put in one of those bridges like you see in World Showcase that kind of comes up and then goes down. And that would be a very, you know, to allow traffic to come through. Traffic doesn't come through the canal very often. But if, in fact, kind of seldom. But if you want to do repairs to the Liberty Bell, you've got to have an exit plan for that for that uh, watercraft. And so that's that's why the canal exists there. And a little further beyond, we actually keep the barges for the electrical um, uh, water pageant. Although 
that's behind some uh, parade show buildings, which is behind pirates. And I won't get into all the details of that. Just say that's a different direction. But going to this canal, by the way, you see a body of water that kind of intersects between Coco and and Encanto. So you go, how do I put it? You go back and you get to this canal. So the thought was from Jack, you go put this bridge in. Well, there's another little problem. The railroad crossing at that point has to change. And if you look at it, it's a bridge that turns 90 degrees. Um, The rotating device is on the other side of the canal, but it allows the tracks to turn 90 degrees across the river so that when they need to move that riverboat, it goes over it. It again, doesn't, doesn't move a lot, but it's there. So you, so you've got to move that next bridge far enough away so that it clears when the other bridge is, is, um, is moving in that 90 degrees. So I, this is a long and short way of saying this is a real problematic area to move gas. It can be done, but every choice is either and or um, long going around or kind of expensive in in terms of moving things. So, um, so you have all of these issues um, back there. Now, that's said and done, a village with cocoa, desert, I get that, awesome. Um, it doesn't necessarily connect to the rivers of America, but you could retitle it to rivers of the Americas, maybe. Um, if you were going to back up that village to the river. What they said in the in the D23 experience was, wow, wouldn't it be great to fly on the backs of Albrejas? Um, and of course, which is what happens to Miguel, but he's on the... in the film and you can imagine a big bird like that and you're flying on it. I mean, it could be really, really cool to see the town. One of the great things about Coco is this, this city of the dead, which is built historically, you know, on top of each other over the decades, so brilliantly done, so beautifully rendered. I can't even begin to imagine. It's wonderful, by the way, if you see it in, um, um, Mickey's Filler Magic, or as my son likes to put it, Donald's Filler Magic. Uh, the scene in Coco is just vibrant and wonderful. You can imagine being immersed in that. Be so cool. Of course, you know, what kind of ride system? That could be anything from a very elaborate Peter Pan's flight to a flight of passage style attraction, maybe. Could even be something like that. Still, I, and I've added this image. Remember, one of the ve- uh, ride vehicles in Coco was a streetcar. I like that idea. I, it, the streetcar kind of reminds me of uh, the ride vehicles at um, Universal Florida, the original for Confrontation, and you actually got onto a tram uh, that was crossing, uh, what is the name of that tram that crosses between Manhattan and, and uh, I'm uh, somebody screaming it right now as I'm talking. But at any rate, I think that would be a very cool way so that you are suspended. And then, you know, in, the, in that confrontation ride, they were able to do some shaky movement, 
when when something happens. I just think whatever they do, it's going to be fantastic. So I, I love the idea. Don't miss me. I love the idea of Coco and going into that world. That's And I resist doing it in Mexico because I think they could do it on a much bigger, grander level. My only dilemma with uh, Braden's idea of calling it all the desert and having Big Thunder Mountain and Coco and Encanto there is that Encanto does not take place in the desert. And it continues this stereotype of what is South America is essentially what is Mexico. And I, I, I spent two years in Colombia. I wasn't big on Mexican food at that time in my life when I was a young kid. And when people heard that I was going to call, oh, you're gonna hate, you're gonna have to be on Mexican. Mexican food and Colombian food are two different cuisines entirely. And so is the geography. When you get down to what is the Valle de Calca setting in um, Encanto, you are fairly close to the equator. You are not in anything of a desert. So I really have a problem calling it the desert. Um, it's just not. It's more appropriate to an Adventureland theme. And in my view, it would be better suited uh, for a... Um, a setting in World Showcase because there is no Latin American representation in World Showcase and we are long overdue for uh, more World Showcase countries in Epcot, in my view. That section of the world being entirely a mess. Um, but that said, and, and by the way, Encanto could take place, I think, in, in a similar style to what is Mystic Manor at uh, Hong Kong Disneyland, which actually is a great a little segue here because um, this all of this reminds me a little of Hong Kong Disneyland. In the original park, you get essentially what is um, Main Street, Tomorrowland on one side, Adventureland on the other, and Fantasyland ahead. There's no Frontierland. But there is this going under the tracks and to the backside of everything, kind of similar to what we're doing here in the Magic Kingdom, where you end up being in this space which is occupied by three districts, one being Big Grizzly Mountain, one being Mystic Manor, and one being Toy Story Land. There are three very different themes. All of them have different attractions, uh, food and beverage offerings, retail experiences, and so forth. Three very different themes. I kind of sense the same thing going on here um, with what they're proposing with Coco and Encanto and uh, Villain's Lair. So let's come to Villain's Lair. And rather than working back behind Big Thunder Mountain, let's go back to the Haunted Mansion at Liberty Square, you could take the queue that runs in the front there and and thin that portion of the queue, reroute the queue, create maybe a more of a graveyard setting towards the rear of Haunted Mansion, and then through the front section, take have a have a clear path that would allow guests to go around the Haunted Mansion and back into the forest behind it, which would then take you to being an area that um, that would be um, 
villain's lair. And I think that would that would fit perfectly. Now, I think it. Um, Jack had said that currently proposed was about 17 acres of land in this area between big behind Rivers of America between Big Thunder Mountain and Haunted Mansion that could could I'll come back to could in a minute be developed. There is another way to add more that could do a lot of attractions in and of itself, take care of things, but it also makes a very big swath of walking all the way. You're hauling. You think it's a haul to walk World Showcase. If you're going to be walking all the way back behind Big Thunder Mountain and all the way back behind Rivers of America, back to the hunt, you are doing a World Showcase theme right there in that section of the park. It's a haul. Um, much better as an idea and one that I was not open to a few years ago when they announced Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. They said they were going to put that at Disneyland behind the Frontierland area. I was like, what are they? Well, their plan was to rechange the route of the train and the route of the Rivers of America and make the Rivers of America a little shorter. Their Rivers of America was even shorter than our Rivers of America. In truth, in truth, when they got all that done and they had added new theming and stuff to hide out the the Galaxy's Edge behind it, they had done a magnificent job. And it is so cool, whether you're on the train or the Columbia sailing ship or the Mark Twain, to go around the Rivers of America because there's so many things to see. Whereas right now, there just hasn't been an investment of doing new things in any major way in a long time. This could be a real opportunity to reshape the river, reshape the train, or maybe not, but but definitely reshape the river and give you another four acres. Uh, that's what Jack had measured. And I think that's a fantastic idea. It also would shorten the pathway a little bit and not make it so, so overwhelming. Um, but there is plenty of land uh, before you hit the train tracks for, for additional land. So now... As for Villain's Lair, this has been, there have been similarly named concepts over the years like Villain's Mountain, Forbidden Mountain, and even Fire Mountain, although Fire Mountain was kind of attributed to more of an Indiana Jones style or even an Atlantis style um, and more toward Adventureland. Um, this, but there has been ideas about going into a mountain uh, which tends to make you think of a roller coaster, but in truth, it um, the earlier concepts were more akin uh, to a boat ride with a drop on it, more akin to Pirates than Splash Mountain, um, with Chernabog in the center. The diagram they keep giving you is the um, Maleficent's castle from Sleeping Beauty and her kind of ascending that castle. That's where she becomes... Um, the dragon. Um, and so that could be the centerpiece of that land. So there's there's so many ways to add uh, some really very cool um, concepts and rides. Uh, mind you, there's enough cool ideas that you could add a fifth theme park. I'll come back to that in a second. But that's, um, but, but um, well, Long and short is this, is that a couple of weeks ago in, in uh, Bob Iger said, you know, we are looking to spend over the next 
10 years, $17 billion. In truth, you could do some nice attractions in every park and you could really nice, like the whole Moana, Zootopia and Animal Kingdom and so forth, more uh, in Epcot, um, more at the studios, and you could even build out this whole area uh, with 17 billion and add resorts. That's, um, but you got to have approval. You have to have approval to use lands that you aren't currently using the way you are using them. And thus, Disney has been seeking over 2,000 acres for future development in the next 10 years. Well, they made that uh, very clear in their 2032 10-year um, proposal to the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which was approved according to Sunshine State Laws. Now, I'm not going to go back to my previous podcast, which if you haven't listened, is a very fair um, a very real assessment of what is going on with DeSantis and Disney. I don't want to dwell there any longer, but I do want to say that none of this could possibly be happening um, if you don't, that everything will slow down to nothing if, if you do not get buy-in from the district, no matter what you call it, or whoever's in charge, if you don't get buy-in, you can't build it. And they this could be a big st um, sticking point, which is unfortunate because not only are all the attractions and ideas that we've talked about um, possible here, but so is, if you look at the map of future development, you'll see that just kind of connecting north of of uh, the Disney's Grand Floridian, very close to the Magic Kingdom, the same way the Contemporary is close. They have a lot of acres set aside for proposed resort development. They could do a massive resort addition right next to the Magic Kingdom. Moreover, um, there is a um, uh, there is land north of the ESPN facility. It's south of Osceola Parkway, so it puts it into Osceola County. But there is enough land there to do a fifth theme park. There are big possibilities ahead, as Josh DeMarle put it, a boundless future, but unfortunately one that is bounded as long as they are bound by the new commissioners. Meanwhile, Epic Universe continues to the finish line with a lot of development going on there. So more to come on this, but now you know exactly what uh, what this all entails, these Magic Kingdom expansion rumors, what, what could play, what could happen, how it could affect Frontierland, how it could affect the overall development of Walt Disney World. Thanks so much for joining us for this Disney insights podcast uh we hope that this um gets you excited about disney and all things uh possible in this the most amazing resort in the entire world uh if you want to know more about disney and all things join our patreon group the wayfinder society where we explore themes like this both from new attractions and exploring existing 
long-loved attractions, new attractions like Avatar, existing attractions like Pirates of the Caribbean, and also best-in-business approaches such as our Disney at Work series. So check out that and know that you can actually look at a sample of that and join us, help make this podcast uh, happen. We appreciate you being here, being a part. Always remember to follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.